All right, faithful listeners, I hope you had a great episode. We've been talking for about an we were recording for the last hour, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's embarrassing. Well, we've been speaking for about 45 minutes without recording. All right. Does everybody remember everything that they said? Yeah. Let's for just sure. start from the top. Okay. So let's start from the top. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Mike. I'm Jeff. I'm Mark. I'm Julian. And today we're talking about a little bit more FTX news. Uh, the right to repair, and this is solely being spoken about because there's a guy that listens to this podcast who refuses to pay $500 to Jeep to flash the drive on his car. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Apple uh, news around mixed reality headset. There's a couple of uh, conflicting news reports that I read about those, uh, so that'll be interesting. Um, George Santos, if that's his real name. Dude, this I, I don't even know that much about it, and it's fascinating to me. A uh, little story about me and Jeff hanging out with Aquaman on New Year's Eve, and then if we get to it, some self-driving news. Yeah, sounds good. Sweet. So, uh, the FTX uh, debacle, we'll call it a debacle. Maybe I call it a bump in the road, you know? <laughs> um, For the Bahamas crypto yeah. scene, yeah. There Small were two bump. news stories that I... Uh, that I read today about FTX. Well, I didn't read. I just read through the headlines. But one of them was um, they found $5 billion in liquid assets and cash, but they don't really know how much they owe the 9 million people <laughs> that had accounts. Yeah. <laughs> so just a really it's, well-run organization. Quick bucks well, will, uh, will have those challenges for you, right? Well, that's yeah. a, I think, <laughs> J- Julian, I'm assuming you put on this on here, and it's like post-mortem, and I was kind of thinking – are we even close to postmortem? Like, yeah, it seems like is, the, uh, the autopsy we're, we're is going to be up the chest. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I guess because was, where, where I was yeah. where I was coming with that is I you know I think you guys had an excellent episode uh, last one uh, that I sadly couldn't attend, um, but you know we've had a few discussions about this in in real time as events were unfolding. We always we all had imperfect information. Uh, at the time, we were making you know judgments to the best of our ability, and I think you know now there there is more information on you know not only questions around if this was a fraud or a crime. People are being accused of crimes. Uh, there's a bankruptcy receiver. I, I guess we're more what I was you know more interested in, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but I was more curious because I always think this is fascinating. You know, now knowing what we know now versus what we know then. Do any does anyone on the on the show feel any differently about their initial judgments or have been surprised in either one way or another about how it's unfolded? And then I guess also you know prognostications on where we go from here uh, because yeah I think there's to your point Jeff there's a lot more that's probably going to unfold and we'll probably touch upon this issue and circle back to it at certain junctures because I think I think it'll take a long time probably take the better part of a year. Um, but you know, it'll be interesting to see where this goes, but I, yeah, I think there's, there's definitely more surprises knowing, you know, knowing what we do now versus, uh, what we did at the time. Right. Yeah, I would agree. Go ahead. To, to, uh, provide a little bit more background on that. We'd had this conversation when, um, this had initially happened and a lot of people were saying, oh, like, why is Sam Bankman Freed, Friedman not in jail? Right immediately. And my perspective was just like, well, we don't know the details. And just because 
FTX collapsed and all these people lost their own money does not necessarily mean that there was fraud. He could have just made terrible investments and maybe this stuff was allowed and fundamentally this stuff isn't regulated. And ultimately, I I can guarantee you that probably only a handful of customers of FTX actually read the user agreements to be like, all right, like what when I put my money in here, like what exactly is happening? And like, the what are they allowed? Nobody reads. Nobody reads the human centipede clause. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was just an NFT of like an owl, a cartoon owl. That was the user agreement. So <laughs> right. like, what are you supposed to take from that? <laughs> How many so licks that, to so, the center of a tootsie roll pop? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so to Mark's point, there's like there is three kind of I think positions that were staked out in that. There was one. Uh, it's possible that this is just. Uh, complete negligence by people who don't understand how to run something. Uh, two, there's negligence combined with uh, purposeful um, fraudulent behavior or uh, nefarious behavior, um, knowing that you're you're basically trying to pull one over on your customers, um, but potentially still skirting the line of legality because. There is very poor regulation in this space. And then third is, no, this is like obvious, explicit fraud and the person should be in jail right now. And I think like Julian is uh, shockingly always on the extreme right of that conversation. <laughs> of any conversation. Always fraud. Always, yeah, always fraud. <laughs> and, and, and Mark was like kind of like, eh, you know, I mean, definitely stuff that shouldn't have been happening, but these laws aren't very good. And then like, you know, my, I think Jeff and I were wait and see. Yeah, yeah my, my, my main point was mainly that um, just because FTX failed and people lost a lot of money does not necessarily mean that something fraudulent or even illegal happened. Yeah. It could have just been, you yeah. know, a poorly run company, bad decisions, like loose user terms, no regulation. And that's that's the end of the story. Yeah. Not saying that there wasn't fraud. Now, Julian, to your point, I will absolutely concede that at this point, it's, I think it's obvious that there was fraud there. Um, although I still think there's a lot of negligence, like the, the more that you find out about like the whole shared bank account and Alameda research. So it comes, it kind of comes out as like, it was, this sort of thing was almost encouraged because of the banking industry. Like they wouldn't give FTX a bank account. They wouldn't give a trading firm a bank account. They named it research so that they could get a bank account. And then they use that bank account for everything, which is like Jesus. obviously not good, but also the only kind of the only way to go about it because like there was just no banks that would do business with them as a crypto, you know, brokerage. But I think, I mean, I, I think there's there's some element of truth to that in the, that, you know, just, you know, similar made parallels like the cannabis industry where, you know, there's, yeah, uh, right. there's challenges around the banking industry and legality on a state versus federal level. Um, and they don't have these on ramps into the financial system, but you know, I'm, and I'm, I've been a critic of uh, you know Coinbase as well. But to their credit, you know, they are a U.S. publicly traded company. They you know comply with all the regulations. They are in the banking system as a you know a, a publicly traded company. Um, so there were other paths that were harder that they could have Fair. that they yeah. could have taken. And you know whether that started out yeah. from a benign point of negligence and workarounds versus 
you know, as they grew, they didn't, you know, come into compliance. Well, I think a lot of people don't know this, but in the Coinbase terms of service, actually all of your money is held in Amazon gift cards. Yeah. Um, so that's how they get around. <laughs> there you so go. Great didn't, didn't read that at all either. Great yeah. interest yeah. rates though. <laughs> Mike, it, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was going to, I was going to make this point on the user agreement for FDX, which I, I looked at like parts of it and I, I didn't read it comprehensively, but like when you deposit money to FTX, it gets converted into what they call e-money, which is like not really well defined. It's like it's whatever. It's it's basically like they oh they're like yeah we owe you electro. It's like those are IOUs, sir. That's yeah. just as good as money. <laughs> exactly. That, and that's precisely what it is. And so that, that's kind of my that one. <laughs> well, but but even it gets back to like the the fact that it went to the Alameda Research bank account. It's like well if the user agreement says very clearly that like this is e-money the when you deposit it is that necessarily a problem that it went to Alameda if like they're allowed to do that with you know if e-money right. is just yeah. like this obligation you know liability of uh, FTX and FTX can send money to Alameda research then like maybe there's nothing that wrong there and if like your wire structure instructions say Alameda research it's not like they say FTX but it's actually going to Alameda research then again, it's yeah. like, all right, well, is there is that necessarily something like illegal there? Uh, and again, the regu- there aren't really regulations that cover these companies. Um, it's still not, yeah, not to say it's it, not unethical, but well, and that's the thing is like, no matter what the intentions were, the as it more and more comes out, it just boggles your mind how like these are smart people who were just just. They just thought it was monopoly money. I mean, it was just like, yeah, a billion dollars here. Yeah, a billion dollars there. Like, let's make venture capital investments with this money we got from the venture capitalists. Like, what? Why would you think that was a good idea? <laughs> like, uh, what? Well, so, Jeff, the, the other thing, you, you mentioned, like, these are smart people. But, like, one of the most interesting things, details, facts of this case that has come out has been that, like, SBF was a big... League of Legends player, yeah. and like, <laughs> and so I, I I know nothing about League of Legends, but everybody is like, I can't believe what level he was at. <laughs> like, he was at like a bronze three, which they're like, oh, he like wasn't af- even good. Af- yeah, they're like after two days of playing, you should be like well beyond that. And he like <laughs> plays all the time for like years, what? and they're like, this In- does not add up. <laughs> like this is like this is yeah. a huge red flag. In his defense, he's always playing while on the phone with VCs, so like True. he's not fully paying attention. Yeah. VCs are screwing up my League of Legends yeah. rankings but, so hard. But I think that that's one of the things that's more interesting, right? Is you know, I think Mark, you still have some valid points that you know, on the like the letter of the law and where the gray areas and regulation. Like it'll be interesting case to prove like what actually was you know red lines or not to cross. But you know, then when you have this, I think the I think the gentleman's name who's the appointed um, lawyer who's a receiver and now CEO of FTX. I think his name's John Ray and he was a former Enron one and the congressional hearings that came through, you know, people were like, you know, what's your take on this? And you know, he was like, no, Enron was like very sophisticated, like off balance sheet fraud. He's like, these guys are a bunch of fucking idiots. Like yeah. he was basically like, <laughs> it was like, his thing was like, he was like, it actually wasn't that sophisticated. It was like very, very clear cut and like, you know, amateur hour on like a number of levels which one i think that's kind of interesting because it pierces the veal of oh this guy was some wonderkin and he was some yeah you know incredible uh you know which goes to show you either that people who invested with him particularly on invested in the company not as customers 
uh, using his platform, you know, namely big name VCs, either did zero due diligence or, you know, were completely duped uh, and should have their own, you know, judgment question on, you know, what they're making from an allocation of investor capital perspective. And, yeah, I guess where, I, where I'm at, which I'm more curious about, and this is, I think, the more interesting rabbit hole, I mean, maybe to set up for future conversations, we can, we can move on to other topics, would be like, I'm kind of curious now where this goes from here, like, where not for like, you know, yes, there are people who are charged with serious crimes, everyone should be given the benefit of the doubt of, you know, guilt till proven innocence. But, you know, he's had a number of his close, SBF said a number of his close associates turn, turn state's evidence on him. You know, he's, you know, it seems like, okay, he pleaded, pleaded not guilty. You're probably only going to do that if you think that you have a better deal to cut some later at a later time as a negotiation tactic. So, like, who else could be implicated? Like, there were political donations made. Does that implicate politicians or regulators? Mm. You know, I think you know, there's a lot of scrutiny around Binance, the rival. You know, does this give, you know, the regulators carte blanche now to actually crack down and maybe make bright lines for crypto as a regulated asset? Is it crypto as security? I think those are interesting questions. Like, I think. Let me me throw this one out that's also related to that. So Sequoia, I think, had 20 or 30 million dollars in the company or maybe 300 million. I don't know. Like they wrote the whole thing down, whatever it was. Yeah, I think it was hundreds. Um, Yeah, it might be 300 million they put into it. Um I'm looking at Sequoia's uh, Wikipedia page. It's hard to know what's 100% right. Assets under management for Sequoia. Anyone want to throw a number out? Oh, it's got to be like 10 billion. In total or just that that fine? 85 $85 billion. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, Yeah. And uh, the best that I can see right now is 50 employees. Um, Oh, for Sequoia? Yeah. yeah, I don't think that's right, but like- it's not hundreds and right right and like you're you're making a 300 million dollar investment um if you have if you're a normal a, a normal company that's on a vc that's 85 uh, billion under management like how big should your audit team be like yeah. <laughs> i venture to say maybe <laughs> More than a couple people. More than half a person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe ten. It's like, well, we, well we're in like two hundred companies. And like, you know, the, uh, I guess this is why I don't. You know, I, like my degree of, you know, when when we first heard about this, Julian, you were I think very like sort of emotionally like this is a bad thing, and I wasn't quite there mostly because I felt like this is inevitable. I mean with this sort of bubble and this sort of money in the system, not necessarily this guy is inevitable, but like something like this is, you know, you get Sequoia throwing $300 million at this kid who hasn't really proved anything. There's just too much money. There's, it's just too, like someone is bound to do some stupid shit. And, And I think the mindset is also just like, this is new stuff. Like they're just doing it different. Right. Like you can't deny. Like I remember, you know, at a business that I was involved in, uh, that was venture backed. We were doing something in an investment market, and I was like, "Guys, we have no idea what we're doing." <laughs> I was like, "I was like, do we like? Do you know what you're doing? Like, I have no confidence that any of you have any idea what you're doing." And, and like. But maybe I'm wrong. Like I had this this like doubt. Like you know, I might be wrong. But like I feel like we could cost our company a lot of money if we fuck this up. And 
we had there was nobody in the company that had a title that had anything related to risk or did any jobs right, right. relating to risk. There were like <laughs> a couple guys who were market traders, but there was no risk guy. And then like we obviously ended up fucking it up. We're like, you know, we should hire a risk guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think I think there's it brings a larger question. And you know, Jeff, respectfully, I push back on one thing. I, you know, I was I don't think I was I wasn't necessarily emotional about my analysis of it, but I I definitely was fired up about uh, you know what I saw as you know. There are a lot of red flags, I think, for people who have been following this for a while. And I think I, w- I was one of those people that, you know, there were, there were questions, at least, that would, sure. you know, yeah. that made me passionate about, like... Yeah, I didn't mean... Kind of, yeah. Yeah, I, I, was, I, was, I think I was dispassionate in trying to look at it objectively, but I, I was fired up. And, uh, you know, I think the other... I think, again, where this is, uh, you know, what it comes down to, which I think will be really interesting about the whole crypto ecosystem and kind of the lar- um, longer ramifications is, you know, Mike raises a really good point. Is like, there's plenty of like valid reasons to, you know, take risks or experiment if, as a company and do it in an ethical and benign way and, you know, make mistakes and, you know, you're doing it with a potential goal. It could turn out though, like in the case of FTX, that it was a fraud right from the beginning. There was a, like, a legitimate maybe market making, you know, business that was, you know, using a hedge fund to, you know, cover its losses and then, like, you know, look at this whole, I think, the Winklevoss Capital Gemini thing and Mark's old friend, Barry Silbert at Genesis. I mean, that company, you know, again, publicly, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, I think, you know, highly was considered like institutional, you know, had, you know, tier one, you know, auditors and regulators. And it looks like, you know, they might have had a big hole in their balance sheet that they chose to cover up in a maybe a nefarious way. And they committed fraud, too. And. That might be insolvent. And like the domino effect. Which one are we talking about? This one's that DCG group. Digital. And then Gem- Gem- yeah, and then Gemini. And like, you know, again, all kind of these quote unquote wonderkins who are billionaires on paper as recently as a year ago, you know, it might turn out that there is quite a daisy chain of interconnectivity and in that what would seem like oh, iso- yeah. what seemed like isolated mm. events. I of, think that uh, I think that breaks uh chat gpt's terms of service to use that, that term <laughs> yeah I, I don't but like I'm, I'm just kind of curious about like you know more if is this an isolated incident or is this more endemic in the whole thing mm. and if it is endemic you know what does that mean for you know crypto as an asset class i'm putting air quotes around that uh digital you know what does it mean for the survivability of an industry or where it goes from here it could be very positive as then you finally yeah. get like bright lines mm-hmm. and all the bad actors are weeded out or it could be like, you know, a fucking death blow that no says people say, whatever, I was fucking burned by that. Why would I ever do that again? Um, you well, know, that, that's the part I'm, I'm more yeah. curious about that aspect to it than in anything else, you know, going forward. I, I, I am also curious about that. Um, another industry that does a lot of weeding out is the agriculture industry. Mm. Ooh, good point. A lot of weeds. Yeah. Solid segue. Ahead, just going to mark that up <laughs> on the best segue ever. Mark on the wall there. Well no played. Well played. Yep. Okay. So, um, uh, an industry that's near and dear to my heart with my experience in the agriculture industry um, <clears throat> as a tomato farmer, mm-hmm. uh, John Deere uh, recently uh, changed their terms of service to allow farmers to repair their equipment. And so um, I know Jeff knows a little bit about this. I'll, I'll give my like, you know, two minute version of, of this, but right to repair is this issue within technology where there are many pieces of technology. Um, your iPhone would be one of them where 
basically the terms of service say that if you try to fix this, you void the warranty and, and we're like not going to pay for it. Um, and so like you're, that's it. Bottom line is you, you can't fix it. Um, if and you, you try can't to, even take it to an independent repair shop. It yeah, is like, you have to take it to us. Right. Yeah. Which is a whole thing because, um, you know, they're, then they make a lot of money on service so they could potentially create a product that sucks and then just create a revenue line around uh, fixing stuff. Um, so this is a big deal for like people who want to fix their iPhones, but also, hey, farmers are actually pretty good at fixing stuff. This is like a significant part of their job is repairing like their equipment. And there's a lot of technology in these John Deere tractors. And before this, John Deere basically said, you can't fix our stuff, which made farmers pretty pissed. And now they're reversing that. And I think it was fairly egregious the way John Deere approached it. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like an iPhone where like, ah, we're going to void your warranty. From what I've heard, and I'm not serious, not an expert at this, but like they would sue people. Like if there was like some guy going around helping, because these tractors are a million dollars a piece. I mean, you're not talking like chump change and these farmers don't, they're not billionaires here. And, so, and part, and part of my part of my ignorance uh, on the on the question, but correct me if I'm wrong, but the a lot of farmers lease the capital equipment, correct? And that's so, a good and then, question. And then I don't all, know. and then also my other question was um, you know, like legacy wise, like how this system came about. Is it is it because they wanted their customers captive for like the service contracts, or was it legitimately like oh we you know have a situation where. You know, we want I'm to make sure, sure that both. we want to make sure that like it's, you're we're indemnified for people not getting hurt on the farm. Like, what what was the rat, original rationale? Was it was it you know benign so, or was it potentially always predatory? Yeah. So yeah, so I think that that's an interesting question. I think that most people, it's normally maybe a combination of those uh, two things, right? It's like it's benign. well, yeah. hey, this yeah. is good for us, but also like. To your point around it being financed, like I would imagine that the vast majority of these machines are financed. Like right. farmers live uh, on credit in a lot of different ways, um, and so they've got debt or related to like you. Know, Jeff was mentioning, oh yeah, like one of these things could cost seven hundred fifty thousand a million dollars, and a lot of times it's like, great, that's the tractor, but then there's also a harvester or there's yeah, all the shit like, that goes on the tractor, all the yeah. stuff that they attach to the tractor, right? right? Like those, they have a planter, they have a sprayer, they have a um, this thing called a harrow, that which whatever, it doesn't matter. <laughs> there's a, a bunch of shit, right? Yeah, 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 and so they've got all these these things that they need to finance, and sometimes they might lease it for. Or, or they like rent it from somebody who owns the capital. There's a bunch of different structures. But let's say that you are financing it and you, you know, own the tractor, but you're financing it. If you fuck that thing up, then you that is yeah, right. a problem for you right. and the guy who just loaned you seven hundred fifty thousand right. dollars. So it makes sense that they would want some control over somebody not doing something stupid. Yeah. And the new the new agreement says. John Deere won't be required to divulge trade secrets or allow repairs that might disable emissions controls, remove safety features, modify power levels. You know, unsurprisingly, they can't violate the law. So, like, hmm. there probably is a legitimate reason because I'm sure a bunch of guys are like, yeah, but I can get 300 right. extra horsepower out of this thing if yeah. I just, you know, <laughs> put a turbo on here. And, well, you, don't um, know if, you know, like, I mean, I, I, you guys, Jeff, I feel you're much more fluent in these car matters and, you know, heavy equipment matters, engineering things than I am. But the, uh, you know, like a car situation, like if you, like if you were leasing a car and you went in, you know, in your car guy and you go and, 
you know, tweak some things to go make it non-street legal, right? And then, you know, potentially you violate your loan covenants with that or you impair the asset that you've, you borrowed um, or you even get yourself hurt and then you try and go sue the manufacturer. I mean, right. there could be like legitimate reasons why this like re- this kind of dynamic existed, right? Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. And I think there probably were legitimate reasons yeah. that they used. It's just it was from what I've heard, it, it's been a big issue because like, you know, it would go down to the point where like the farmer would call the it would have to go through the John Deere rep. Got it. And so it's like, well, look, this thing broke down in the middle of my field in the middle of harvest and you're like a 12 hour drive away and you're not answering your phone. So I can't, you know, something that I could fix, like, you know, these guys are pretty handy. They have yeah. to, like Mike's saying, like they got to fix shit all the time. Um, something I would ordinarily be able to fix, I'm not allowed to fix. Yeah, and, and, oh, and like literally they would have kind of like electronic locks where if that, you yeah. change something, then the electronics will lock up turning the tractor on because, well, we're not confident that you changed it and you need to hit our special code to clear that, that thing to even use the tractor again. Right. So it, it really did kind of screw these guys, I think, in a lot of ways. Like I've heard, I don't know, I've just heard people being very pissed about John Deere specifically, although it does apply to quite a bit, you know, all the tech stuff. But it's like if it's your iPhone, you just fucking go yeah. to the mall it's not that big of a yeah. deal like <laughs> it turns out farmers also have some political clout in this country yeah when you produce food then politicians tend to to like you, you know, also right. when you're you know your small states with no people in it are responsible for electing a significant <laughs> number of the presidents then so and I, it there. seems like this was completely related to political pressure so i guess a bunch of states and the biden administration was um, putting forth some sort of, I don't know if they were going to put a bill through or how that was going to go, but basically it was like, you guys kind of have to do this or you're you're in for some yeah. legal liability. Yeah, so, it was preempting regulation, right? Yeah. I think it's as, overall... As if thing. Congress can pass things, which is fun. Yes, exactly. That's, that's a hilarious idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Congress, you mean... This yeah. George Santos character? I mean, I mean first of all, yeah. con- con- <laughs> Congress would at least have to have people who were, were elected based on real resumes, right? I mean, that's just crazy. Idea. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's let's skip down to that, and then we'll yeah. swing back to the other part. Um, have like, you guys been following this? Fuck? Yeah. yeah. Just speaking of guys who don't have, have risk guys, like the... Uh, well, first of all, like, this is, there's so many things bef- about like how this this dude. Let me just give like the two seconds on George Santos. George Santos, congressman from a uh, New York City suburb in like uh, a community in Long Island, Strong Island. Well, it's Long, it's Long Island. Island. Let's be clear about that. It's, it's not that surprising. This happened in Long Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> if it were Staten and, Island, it would be expected. Yeah, yeah amongst yeah. amongst the things that he's he's accused of lying of is living in the area that he's supposedly representing uh, as well as possibly I didn't even know that here. like there's yeah. so many things he was lying about <laughs> so so this guy uh won his congressional race these are the things off the top of my head that I know that he fabricated having graduated from college um specifically 
Two, he huh? specifically cited two colleges he graduated from. Didn't graduate from either of them. One of them, I think he may have attended classes. The, the, okay. the way that they phrase those. Baruch those, and uh, NYU yeah, were the yeah. two. Baruch, right? he claimed to have... Just today, there was a story in the New York Times about like they got access to the two-page resume that uh, he had submitted to the, the Long Island um, uh, GOP to run in that district. And like, this is another thing... They basically had nobody else to run. So, like, yeah, this guy's fine. Let's no bo- let's <laughs> yeah. look it up. So, he said that he he graduated in the top 1% of Baroque College and then has an MBA from uh, NYU. Uh, he, as somebody on this podcast uh, who has a degree from NYU, that should be very insulting to Mark. Uh, but <laughs> he, he might, might even graduate yeah. early. He, yeah. he liked it so much he got out of there early. <laughs> well, now I'm questioning <laughs> if Mark has a degree from NYU. You know? yeah, no, yeah, we actually a, haven't looked yeah, it up. I can't, like, let's a, turn off his mic until we verify yeah. this. Let's get there's 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 All right, I'm, I'm pulling up a transcript right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so actually, now that I take, like, let me, let's go even further back. He said that he went to... I believe Horace Mann High School, which is like a, I believe a magnet school in New York City. No, that's, that's uh, no like record a of him big, attending. big time private school in New York City. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's <laughs> like, it's a, and so he said he attended there and left early for some reason and got a GED. He has a GED. That's verified. Never went to Horace Mann. Uh, probably attended Barack University. Never graduated. Never attended NYU. Claimed to have worked for Citigroup. Uh, with and a certain title inside of their real estate group. Uh, that title doesn't exist, and Citigroup <laughs> sold that division two years before he said that he worked there. Wow. Claimed to have worked at Goldman Sachs, never worked there. And then the part that I'm really excited about is the future, when we figure out where this guy came up with a million dollars in the last 12 months. Yeah. <laughs> because that day is going to be really exciting. Well, he, because he basically <laughs> had like, was I think filed for bankruptcy like two years ago right. or three years ago. Um, uh, he went from no money to a million dollars in income in a year. And as a man who aspires to do that very soon, <laughs> I'd like to right. see the roadmap. I'd like to see how you do that. <laughs> well, well, he, also, he also lied about his, like, his heritage too, right? I mean, he was claiming... He said he was oh, yeah. Claim, repeatedly. Yeah, yeah. And he, he, said, his, he said his mother died yeah. in 9-11. Yes, and then, that's yeah. like which is Jeez. crazy. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and not, four not, employees it's just die on like Twitter is like a random thing. Just yeah. be like, oh, yeah. my oh. God. it's like I can't. He I can't tweeted, imagine. That. He tweeted about his mother like ten years after nine eleven. Like so, he yeah. like Ugh. he lied about it, and then his tweets were the reason he was caught with that specific lie. He yeah. said he was Jewish. He wasn't Jewish. And that his grandparents <laughs> escaped the Holocaust. Well, yeah. Right. Jeff, that was, Jeff, in fairness, I think it was Jew-ish. Yes. Was that, what was he, what yeah. that was his that excuse. Was, that was his explanation. Yeah. Which I have to, you know, you got to give him an A <laughs> for effort there. Like, it's, yeah. That is well, a... <laughs> it, it gets back to the whole thing. I mean, there's JC that scene was Jewish. In, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's that scene in Anchorman where he's like, he's talking to his dog. It's, it's like Ron Burgundy. <laughs> and he's like... I'm not even mad. I'm impressed. Like that's yeah. that's honestly how I feel about this whole situation. Right. <laughs> like we've passed the point of being upset about this. It's like this is just awe inspiring. <laughs> like, the audacity. The shame how how does do this? <laughs> I don't. I guess it's like you know. There's only so many inches in the newspaper because we all hold physical newspapers. But like mm-hmm. a lot of these things, like people were questioning his background during the campaign. So I don't understand how it got to this point. And and should there not be enough 
newspapers and newspaper men or women in the United States to say, guys, there's only 435 of these people getting elected. <laughs> like, right. we should be able to pay $35 for a background check on 435 times two, which is the number of people in each one of these elections. They pay and for we don't a even background have to repeat check the one if we did it two years ago. On, like, hourly jobs. Like, oh, yeah. right. it, it's, those are the people that you're really bucks. concerned about. If this guy's going to bilk me for $12 an hour, then yeah, I want to know whether or not he smoked joint a week ago. I mean, Kenny aside about how just how absurd and ridiculous the situation is, I guess, I mean, there, there are legitimate, I think, legal questions. That I think he's probably going to get. I mean, are calls for him to be kicked out of Congress? I mean, there could be serious campaign. I think he's going to get kicked out. Yeah, but I mean, well, there could be like serious criminal stuff for like campaign finance, you know, laws about where the money came from and whatnot. Oh, Um, a lot of one hundred ninety nine dollar and ninety nine cent expenses, which, as it turns out, now you're going to be shocked by this. At two hundred dollars, you have to provide a receipt. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, very, (laughs) very, very interesting. But I mean, I think what what galls me more as an American, it just like fucking blows my mind. Is like. Who the fuck are we electing to Congress? Dude. Like, or electing to anything? It's like yeah. when you look at like even like when you look at the the low qualifications of some of the like the jokers. I mean that like I, I'm offending yeah. jokers here. I'm mean, yeah. offending people like people from the, Long Island. Be- which yeah. I mean, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not gonna offend. I mean, I, I'll happily offend people from Long Island. But the uh, you know, but yeah. the, like the whole, the whole it's like I you know offending dog catchers. I want to elect this guy to be my town dog catcher. Well, like a member, a member of Congress. It's like where are the where are the quali- the quality of the people? Like you're not getting this is you're the not getting high quality people, people think though. Yeah. People don't people don't vote for George Santos. They vote for the Republican. Yeah. Right? it's like it's this so is like sad. the old Jerry Jerry Seinfeld joke where he's like, oh yeah, a guy gets traded and like they love him, he's great, and they trade him like boo, yeah, different right. laundry, boo. You're wearing a different <laughs> laundry right now. We hate you now because yeah. your shirt is different. It's like, oh, I don't know, George Santos, whatever. He's like, I'm, I'm mad right now. I'm just gonna vote for the guy who wasn't the guy the last time. Well, and in my Sad. mind, like, yeah, I do, do like Congress because you know there's more of them, and you're you're electing from a smaller footprint, and all of these things. You do get less quality individuals than like the Senate, right? And that all makes sense. But to 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 Mike's point, there's only 400 and how many of these guys? Like, like 400 people. The, the yeah. government pays how much money to fly the president around on a fucking private jet? Like, we can't just yeah. do a background check on these guys. Like, and most of them, most of them ran last time, so you should have already right. done the background yeah, check. Right. You only have to I run it on them. like 20 or 30 percent of them. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not as a, a great endorsement of uh, you know our system or the, the state of things. But I mean, also, I mean, I feel like it's a. I mean, these are slippery slopes, right? I mean, in a post-Trump era, the post-truth society, like when is like what's the red line acceptability for like yeah. ethical behavior? Jewish, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> like, but like, that's gen- that's a but, that's a pretty good one. But there, are pl- there are plenty plenty examples. Like some are more egregious. Let's than sit others. there and move yeah. back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, no, you're right though. It's just like nobody cares. It's you right. can just call bullshit on anything, and nobody seems to give a crap or or like, like we're now we're in like the era of no shame right so it's yeah. you know oh i i did something ridiculous but i'm fake you know, news fake news fake news i'm just gonna stay in congress all right right call call you out it like are you gonna force me to resign oh you're gonna censor me not put me on the committees yeah who gives a fuck like well you know, yeah. to be honest like <laughs> i do think that that is i mean one of the unfortunate legacies that trump 
at least in the short term and hopefully only in the short term has left is this whole like like he should be ashamed of himself and he should resign right. and i think before trump he would have but now mm. it's like nope let's see what you can do let's let's push the limit like if there's a legal if you can yeah. physically remove me from congress do it but let's, i don't right. think you can right exactly let's, let's exactly. explore that idea for a second let's let's get let's get dark <laughs> um what is is literally like what is what what gets you canceled like what uh, harvey weinstein like physical rape i think it that like it's provable is that you get canceled for that but yeah. matt gates is in congress and he like pretty verifiably paid for underage sex and flew <laughs> women around uh so it ba- you know, ba- he seems to be bas- fine basically fine. didn't get prosecuted for a not enough evidence not a lack of yeah. evidence not enough so it's like, yeah, but and again, he, but and he right. I mean, he, but, he but, almost single-handedly right. brought like brought down uh, the Speaker of the House yeah. for, because he wasn't adequately supportive of his underage sex ring. Like right. that is literally yeah. the world that we live in. That guy not only like, what not only yeah. didn't get canceled, he got reelected. I mean, there's pretty much, yeah. and it pretty much his whole thing, his whole strict. I mean, I could pick on plenty of people this, but you know, he's not a legislator; he's a performance artist. You know, you're, yeah, well, you're that just, is what it you're is. You're just yeah. there for attention. Yeah. You're there for your brand. You're there for your media hits. But, you know, I mean, to his credit, give him credit where credit's due. Can you name 20 other congressmen who are backbenchers? I, I can't. I try to follow I can name <laughs> I can name one congressman from my state, and it's Lauren Bobart or whatever yeah, the hell Yeah, there you her go. Name oh, is. Exactly. And I hate her, and I wish she wasn't in Congress, but I only know her because she... You know, she's out there. She's right. doing stupid shit. Can you, can you name one thing that she's voted for or stands for? Nope, I can't. Nope. But I know that guns she's in yours. bars, I think. Right. Yeah. Bar- Hooters yep. with guns. I mean, that's... <laughs> yeah. A, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. God bless America. Swear. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. No, but you're right. It's it's a performance art at this point, and, and it doesn't even matter... It's I don't know. I'm I mean I'm hoping like we've crested that hill and we're on the way down. I do feel a little bit like we are, but... It's still not. Don't worry, Jeff. Things can always get worse. Always get worse. <laughs> always. Minor, minor sidebar. But um, you know, I was watching a lot of the the, the CNN during the speaker votes and the fourteen different rounds. Um, what I noticed as I was watching the coverage of uh, George Santos during those votes is uh, he was wearing uh, a sweater over a shirt with a suit jacket on the top, which means either that man has very poor circulation mm-hmm. or I'm concerned about how we heat the Capitol building. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm and thinking Capitol building is probably cold. a couple hundred years old. They probably don't have great HVAC in there. Um, well, it is old, but yeah. Yeah, and like that's tough because you're putting old people in a cold building all day. That's that's concerning. Like I think that maybe that's somewhere we should invest our tax dollars. Keeps them awake to well, vote, right? Yeah. He didn't want seats. to get rid yeah. of the old people or put more insulation in. I well, I'm we could sell the torn. old people's organs for money <laughs> and then solve a deficit problem. Next thing we're gonna <sighs> hurt. Oh, Santos told us he had two kidneys. He only got one. Yeah, he probably does. He yeah. Who and knows how many even kidneys, kidneys that guy has? Yeah. And with that, Mike's campaign for Congress is born. Oregon <laughs> harvesting. I have two great kidneys. Great for me. He has two, and we can verify that he has two kidneys. That's Not right. necessarily kidneys that are in great shape, but you know, 
kidneys nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> They've been through yeah. some stuff. You They've know, been through but... some stuff. Oh, really? <laughs> my opponent, <laughs> my opponent, Mark, you want to run against me? I've got two kidneys. You claim to. Yeah. Prove it. Yeah. Take one of them out and still be alive. Yeah. Sell yeah, he won't. Sell yeah. He's afraid. <laughs> sell Show him. me the money. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're going for here. Uh, oh dear, that's um, insane. This America. is an on America. This is not on the. Uh, uh, oh, I I had it on at the end, but I will. I want to circle to it. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a thing about full self driving on here. I was reading a uh, a story about EVs right before I came down for the podcast. Um, and there was a National Highway Safety Transportation person who was concerned about large EVs. So we're getting into the era where um, the most popular cars in the United States for the last 40 years have been pickup trucks, and we're starting to get electronic, uh, uh, you know, battery-powered pickup trucks. Um, the largest EV that is coming onto the market is the n- new uh, electric GMC Hummer. Mm. Do you know, um, I have it in the outline, so hopefully you guys aren't looking at the outline. 9,000 pounds. (laughs) 9,000 pounds. (laughs) The fucking thing is 9,000 pounds, which is 50% heavier than a regular GMC Hummer. 6,000 pounds is a heavy car, but this is 9,000 pounds. That's four and a half tons, yeah. Yeah. And I believe that the the pickup trucks are it's similar. It's going from four thousand pounds to six thousand pounds for like the F one fifty. And obviously the implications are you're still gonna be driving seventy five miles an hour, eighty miles an hour on the highway. Uh that's a lot more force when you get hit in an accident with a fucking car that's two thousand, three thousand more pounds. And so the uh there's concerns at the federal level about what that's gonna the impact is gonna be on highway deaths. Mm. It's a real issue. I mean I I know, you know, three of us in the podcast are parents, the I mean I I'm in the market for a new car. The uh you know, I, how many of you have thought about the fact that, you know, I when I think about buying a car, particularly an SUV, it's not just about how much, you know, how much space I have. It's also about there's a lot of fucking steel between me and my family, right? Yeah. And like, you know, versus smaller. That's why I bought a Mini Cooper. <laughs> you know, teach your own. Yeah, but I think I think those are real those are real considerations. Yeah. And, you know, that's yeah. why, you know, some of the, well, the technology stuff is great and cool for the environment or there's real progress. I feel like there's a lot of uh, things that have not been fully considered implications wise for the regulatory and, you know, safety environment. But don't... Uh... That seems like a bit of a red herring to me. Like, nobody gives a shit that we were going from, like, normal-sized car to massive suburbans. (laughs) Everyone's driving a school bus. That's fine. But now that it's EVs, we're worried about the weight and we're worried about safety. Like, it's... I'm not sure how worried we should be. I'm just saying I think it's something that should be discussed that hasn't really given a lot of airplay, right? Well, I, well, I'm with Jeff. Is. I mean, you know, if you look on the street, I mean, and particularly in Dallas, which um, I'm sometimes in Dallas, and uh, yeah, it's all like pickup, massive pickup truck, trucks. And obviously, if you got if you're driving like a normal car and you get hit by one of those, I actually don't even think it's necessarily the weight so much. It's just like the car is so much higher that right, it would yeah, just it's like it's going to go through your back windshield yeah. and yeah, 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 trunk like, crush yeah. you, hits you yeah. from the side like it's going th- primarily in the windows and uh, at the front it's like hitting the, only just like the very top of your um the front of your car but i i agree with jeff i mean it's, this is not isolated to evs and 
the 9,000 pounds is crazy, but, but also not like necessarily not everybody is going to get that, that specific car. I think it's, it's just like a general trend of like no, bigger, yeah, bigger I, cars on the road. Yeah. It, it was more of like a curiosity that, that, that was something that I had not thought of. I don't think it's like a massive safety problem. Um, I do think that like there are, you know, to Julian's point, there are definitely things where we're going to have to learn as we go. We definitely should continue along this process and go there. But like, hey, there we're going to have to deal with what is the real fire risk at scale. Uh, like, you know, there's been plenty of um, isolated incidents where electronic cars have caught fire while charging. And, and like this is what happens with lithium batteries. And um, so th- there's stuff to do. But I was just like. The fucking number nine thousand pounds. That's a popped out of my eyes. Well, and so I just <laughs> looked up. Big. So my car, the Tesla Model Y, is a heavy car, and I have to buy special tires for it, like whatever you know, whatever the heavy weight tires are, because it's a heavy car, and it doesn't seem like it should be. It's a it's a pretty small car overall. It's a you know compact SUV basically. So I just looked it up, and it's forty five hundred pounds, which is a heavy small car. But how the fuck did they get the Hummer to weigh double that? Like, <laughs> holy shit. Is it, is, it, is it mostly battery and the infrastructure it's, around it? Or what's it's the, gotta I'm be. sure. Yeah. It's got to yeah. be batteries. And they, they yeah. probably just need that many more batteries because right. it's a bigger car. But I saw the Hummer. I was at a off, off what's it called? Overland Expo. Because um, I live in Colorado and that, that's the thing we do. Nice. Um, and uh, I saw the Hummer. The Hummer was there. Like the the Hummer EV was there, and it it is it's big, but it's not it's not that big. Like it's not as big mind. as a suburban. So it, maybe it's just that they need that many batteries because it's not that aerodynamic. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, well, it's it, just Jeff. Question for you uh, related to EVs because I believe you're the only one with a straight up EV in a group. Um, Mike is now. Mike has straight, straight up EV. Yeah. I have no electric Mini Cooper, no I, engine I, in that bad boy. Okay, there yeah. you go. Stand corrected. But you, but Jeff, you I did, did just put twenty five hundred miles on it in a weekend. So yeah, so I, I so do you, know something. You just did a a longer car trip, also through yeah. a more uh, remote part of America, from Colorado to Quite Southern California. Remote. How was the charging situation? Did you have to really? Did you have to really plan out your route carefully and uh, pick your spots or? And so also with the, with that, the weather play a role too. Okay. So yeah, I mean, there's yeah. like, I will say that I think there's a difference between. So there's there's definitely a leap between going from gas to electric, or gas to Tesla, and then Tesla to other electrics. Right. Tesla does have a very good network. And exclusively for Teslas, though, correct? Exclusively for Teslas. Yeah. I think they've opened it up to everyone else now, although I don't know exactly the state of that. But it is opening up to everyone else. But you, but you, um, as a Tesla driver, could only charge at a Tesla station, correct? No, I can charge at other places, but the Tesla stations. So driving across the country or even through remote areas in a Tesla is pretty easy. For the most part, um, because you type in your destination and the, the navigation on the system says, go, you're going to drive an hour and a half to here and you're going to charge for 25 minutes and then you're going to drive 
Now there are two hours to here and you're gonna charge for 20 minutes. It tells you your whole route, your whole charging. I don't have to really think about it at all. It also tells me specifically at that charger station, there are eight total chargers and five of them are available. So it's, it is really good. Like in terms yeah. of like, and, or there's a 10 minute wait for this one. And so I ran in now. So that being said, I can charge at other stations. Mike has, I'm sure you can follow up with mm-hmm. this, with the, the, what is it? Charge America, or there's a couple. Yeah. Charge, charge America charge is point, one of them. And then charge, charge point points. And a large for America. So I had actually thought about trying that this trip because I was going through such remote areas. So I was going from Denver to Palm Springs, and that is through New Mexico and Arizona. Right. And there are some very, very remote areas. Um, the good thing is Tesla's also run on meth. So yeah, and that that really <laughs> yeah. did help. Fuel. That helped yeah. a lot. And um, thank you to our Arizona, New Mexico listeners. We really appreciate your sponsorship and support. <laughs> so. This uh, this this section of the episode is sponsored by uh, the Medellin cartel. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I really enjoyed my trip, and the, it is. But it. Oh, so that being said, I, I think the Tesla charging network is far and away like better than other charging networks but you're still you know it's two hours between chargers well yeah in new mexico and arizona like if you're in california you're fine but um but you 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 know you don't have any sort of anxiety or um you don't feel like the the route that you were precluded to go was based on the charging network or driven by the charging market no 100 percent. it is based on the charging network. And like, so at one point in time, there was a closed road or a possible closed road that if I had a regular gas car, I would have probably just gone around it. But I couldn't because it was, that stint was just too long for me to make it. And so I kind of had to go a certain route. So yeah, there was, the charge anxiety thing is real. Now, given most people aren't doing that drive regularly Tesla like regularly so I do kind of still you know I I I like these long road trips the the plus and the minus of having a Tesla for that road trip was the plus or the minus was what we're talking about right the chart the anxiety about charging and a closed road really fucks you because you get if I get 75% of the way to the next charger and they close the road for snow or whatever, which is a real thing out here. Um, I'm fucked. Like I can't get back. Like, I don't really even know what I, I guess I would call a tow truck. I saw someone come into a Tesla charger on this trip on a tow truck. Yeah. So I guess that's the only option and not the end of the world, but not, you know, not ideal. At the same time, the fucking thing does drive itself on the highway, especially you know, we can debate full self-driving and all that stuff, but on the highway, I really don't have to do much. And it is a game changer on a long drive. Like, I'm looking around at the gorgeous mountains around me, and this thing is is handling the road and the, the various small turns that there are in New Mexico, because mostly it's a straight road. Um, you're so, watch, watching movies, you're in the back seat. Watching okay. movies, yeah. you know, yeah. taking a nap. No, mm-hmm. I'm not doing any of that, because the thing... The thing really does 
it's a pain in the ass because every time I check my phone, the camera tell, yells at me because uh, they're filming you and they, they <laughs> you have to pay attention to the road. Oh, oh like you're yeah. driving. <laughs> yeah. Wild, wild, like, wild, what wild do you times. think, I'm sober here? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez Louise. I'm the last person you want to be driving this car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but uh, it was, you know, there are there are definitely trade-offs. There are definitely trade-offs. And, and uh, Mike had a... You know, you went from L.A. to San Francisco in your EV, and it wasn't a Tesla. So, I don't know. What yeah. was that like? Well, so, I mean, there are a couple of complicating factors besides it not being a Tesla. One, it, it so it's a Mini Cooper, which is a very small car. And so, the range on it is not like what a, a typical Tesla is going to be, 275 miles to 325 miles, somewhere in there. Um, the range on the Mini is only 100 miles. Uh, so all, already more complicated. And then secondly, not using Tesla networks. <clears throat> so not using Tesla networks, there's not really only three ways that you would go from LA to uh, San Francisco. You're either going to take Route 1, which is very scenic, but not a super fast road, 101 or Route 5. And so like I just went 101 basically the whole way up. So all of the chargers are going to be like 101's the Mass North Highway, North South Highway. There's enough chargers that are around. The tricky bit is when you're not using a Tesla charger, the speed of the chargers is highly variable. And the app that Jeff recommended that I was looking at, like did typically have like, hey, this is a super fast charger. This is not a fast charger, but they can go from like rates of charge of like, I don't know what this actually means in terms of minutes, but like 300 megahertz, which would be the fastest to as slow as 40 kilowatts. Uh, Kilowatts is it? Kilowatt hours, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Kilowatts yeah, is you. usually the rate, and then kilowatt K- hours yeah. is the battery size. KWH, yeah. KWH, yeah. yeah. So like a three hundred, you might be able. I might be able to charge eighty percent of my battery. The reason people typically talk between twenty and eighty percent of the battery is because there's battery degradation if you charge too quickly at the endpoints, and so they always say charge up to eighty or whatever. And it I takes longer. It takes a lot longer. Like to get to that from, last twenty percent to yeah. get from like any. If you're near empty and you want to go to like fifty or sixty, it's like real quick. But then it drops off to get over 80 really dry. I mean, you're then you're crawling. So yeah, the real, if you're on a road trip, the real like range, and you don't really want to go past 20% because like yeah. you can, but then you start really getting anxious about like. I mean, unless you're on <coughs> Seinfeld and you're like, come on, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> there, yeah, there is exactly. something that, yeah. to the literal physics of the chemistry of the battery where it's to going beyond 20 and 80 is, is not great for the long-term mm-hmm. long term longevity of the battery. So regardless, like I'm going around and trying to find these ones that are the faster ones. It's not always well labeled or like it'll have two fast ones and one slow one and the fast ones are taken. And then because of like the variability of the network, you'll be like, oh, okay, well, I'll just go to this one. I see it like on the map. And then you go and you're like, I can't find this fucking thing. Right. It's like some of them are super obvious. They're like in a parking lot at a mall and there's 30 of them all sitting next to each other. There are other ones where it was like, 
I was driving around and circling where the map said it was. And it w- one of them was literally on the complete backside of a car dealership, like next to a garage, which was in no way obvious that it was a public charger and that it wasn't just like some piece of electronics that belonged to this dealership. Um, and it took me 15 minutes to find the charger. And so, yeah, when you're sitting there with 10 miles of range, you do freak out a little bit when that happens. Um, but since that time, you know, it's up in San Francisco. My wife uses it to drive to work, works 45 miles away. She charges for free at work and it's never been an issue. Right. Um, and, and that's, that's what that car is intended to do. I it think drives around town. And most, and pe- that, most yeah. people who drive, they're typically doing those shorter routes or things they know. Right? 90 plus percent yeah. of the United States drives yeah. less than 40 miles per day. Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of what I, I mean, my recommendation, I think for a around town car, an electric is just so much better in almost every mm-hmm. way. Like it, you don't ever have to go to a gas station. It's charged up fully every day, every night. Um, you don't, there's not any real maintenance on it. You, you fill it. I think with I mentioned to you guys, my fluid. previous car, my payment per month was $315 per month for the electric. For, for, ga- for a gas, bit. gas consumption. No, just, it was like, that's what my car payment was for financing. Okay. I was paying 300 a month. The car, this car is 700 a month, but I save $400 a month in gas. Yeah. So it's basically the same. Yeah, it's the same. Right. So it's just j- crazy. J- so you guys, on your trips, what do you think you would have paid for gas versus what you paid for charging on your Ooh, respective routes? I can routes? tell you. Julian, I can yeah. tell you. Yeah, I'm curious. No, so the um, the Tesla app tells you, I mean, they'll, they give you like some average fuel price, but yeah. they'll... So I had to... So at home, I, I live in an apartment building... Um, I don't pay for the electricity because I just plug it into some random right. plug in the garage. Um, so that's nice. But <laughs> that's great. Thank you. So res- I spent, just residents. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, they charged me quite a bit before, but so I spent. But doing superchargers only, and quite a few of them. So I saved 150 bucks on that trip. It one cost one me way about, or two. No, both ways. That's that's over twenty five hundred miles. You drove so, twenty five hundred yeah. miles round trip, and you saved one hundred fifty dollars in gas versus charging. Yeah, yeah. so it's three hundred bucks for charging, which is probably on the expensive side because I didn't have a an option in terms right. of like where to charge. Like there was only so many superchargers on that route, and it says I would have paid four hundred fifty uh, gas equivalent. So, so, so it, under those economics, on like an annual driving, like the a- average person probably does between 15,000 and 17,000 miles a year, you're talking about around $1,000 worth of gas savings if you paid to charge your car every well, that's single the time you pay to charge it, which you don't do. And I'm paying right? up for a supercharger, right? Like you're not going to, yeah. most people are not going to take it to a supercharger. You're going to charge it home. Yeah, so, so you're probably getting a couple cheaper. thousand dollars in, in gas. Yeah. And in fact, I I know that uh, uh, Tesla estimates that because they used to report the cost of the car primarily yes. after gas savings yeah, exactly. and they got in trouble for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was it was definitely an experience. Like, you know, like I said, pluses and minuses on a long road trip. Um, but I think around town, it just, I don't know. 
Yeah. There's it's, so so many less, so much less maintenance and so much less everything. It, it, it so does much more, a lot more sense, sense of self-importance. Yeah. You feel so, so much good. better than everyone else. I mean, I felt better than oh. anyone else already, but like this yeah. really takes it to the next level. <laughs> yeah. Just even seeing like, um, like Julian and Mark's faces on this podcast, oh, I feel a little dirty having yeah. to observe their, these icers. <laughs> uh, it's gross. Ugh. Yeah, I just yeah. smell gasoline just looking at him. <laughs> smell, it smell, is, smell right through yeah. the Zoom. Smell right through that mic, the hot, hot mic ice moment yeah. versus an EV. Jeff and Mike, oh, boys. heavy ass cars. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've been uh, we've been speaking for an hour. Would you like to speak about uh, mixed reality headsets, or would you like to move to recommendations? Hmm. I don't really have a whole lot to say about mixed reality. I'm excited for it. I'm kind of surprised Apple's coming out with it. To I be feel honest, we're, we're in mixed reality right now, right? Yeah. Well, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah. Is it, I'm gonna. So I think we talk. Is mixed reality? Yeah. How is it different from augmented reality? Or is it the same? I think thing, it's just. I think it's the same. It's the same, same thing. thing. Yeah. 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 Pre- pretty high pi- um, price there, point, right? There was there was stories that like I think the first set is going. One of the nobody knows, right? Because these are only rumors, anyway. But the, uh, I mean, the you rumor should have is, some information. But yeah, right. Actually, I know I, you so don't. <laughs> literally, as we were finishing the story right before this, like my wife walked in from, and I was like, "Oh, she's gonna love them about to bring <laughs> bring this story up." Um, so uh, my wife works for Apple. She says absolutely nothing about the company to me at any time. And like, I think my favorite well, stories are like the her like bringing home the new iPad and like locking it in a room and hiding it from you. We which have I find we literally hysterical. have we literally have a safe in the house. Um <laughs> that she sticks For and guns it's not like and she, iPads. It it's not even as if she has um like custom hardware for the, that goes in the safe. It's like, you know, the phone looks exactly the same as my phone, right? It's like it has um uh, non-production software on it, which I would never be able to access because I don't know her password. So it doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> so it's like, but it's like you know, in case somebody breaks into the house is basically why the the safe exists mm. for, for safety first. Safety first. <laughs> yeah. Um. So anyway, there's a rumor that came out this week that Apple is going to re, uh, lease a uh, VR headset. So the rumor, as I understand it, is that the VR headset could get released at either DW. DC this year or perhaps earlier in the spring and then that there is a Apple version of like a Google Glass which is more of like an AR augmented reality like where you're seeing real things but like there's things projected on top of regular reality on top of it but that might not be for a couple of years Um, which is interesting because anyone who's been in this space has been financially clobbered (laughs) <laughs> with no real useful right. use case that's, that's well and that's kind of why i'm i'm a surprised that they're doing it now and b yeah. surprised like what it may be, you know it's apple so like i can't see how the technology is that good like that much better than like what facebook just rolled out for fifteen hundred dollars yeah. which is an impressive piece of hardware but i'm not paying fifteen hundred dollars for this crazy thing <laughs> This um, one comes with one app, and the only thing that you can see on it is the Apple Car that doesn't exist. <laughs> that's the virtual. But you can park. see it everywhere. You can <laughs> see the, it. Yeah, working, that's an two thousand people working yeah. on this car. Yeah, <laughs> ready, yeah. ready to roll. So it'll be interesting. I mean, if it's true, I, I don't know. 
I, they've got to be doing something cool with it if they're going to roll it out this year. But I don't know what that's going to be is is the real question. J- jokes aside about the the lack of uh, uptake on the metaverse or you know Facebook's uh, challenges with it, do we think that this is more validation of uh, you know the AV or augmented reality world that you know more companies are jumping into it? And do you think that? Are there signs of more demand or are these is another faux pas? I I think, you know, it's it's the it's to me the allegory of like trying to understand it is like looking at the the chat GPT stuff, right? Like everyone talks about AI and this amorphous application world and like if you are in a very specific narrow band of it, you can talk more specifically about how AI could work or or could theoretically be valuable. But then when you actually use something that is really truly game changing like oh fuck i get it this is a big deal right and that's when it feels real is when it like you actually like everyone's like using it and on it becomes the iPhone. obvious maps yeah. on the iphone was the game changing moment for me where i'm like <laughs> yeah. this is stupid i don't want a phone that does music and then i was like oh shit i can look at where i am and navigate mm-hmm. with this like okay well yeah, <laughs> this is this is old. Yeah. Well, and like right. from a marketer's perspective, for a ten years, people are like, oh, all the advertising is going to go mobile. We're like, I'm like on what my the my slider? Like, yeah. what what am I? Yeah. What kind of right. ad is somebody going to engage with on this? Right? And like, but for ten years, people were talking about it, and then iPhone came out, and people like, okay, I get it. Like now, nah, yeah, this is this is obviously where people are going to live and spend their time. It's going to be this, and you know. ChatGPT and future applications of AI are like clearly coming, and like we can get that there's going to be useful applications. Um, the Oculus Pro, no, I haven't seen anything that makes sense on it other than video games, and and like that's it. Like there's been some meeting applications that like make Zoom a little bit better, but is it so much better that I really want to look like a doofus wearing those sunglasses and paying fifteen hundred dollars? Haven't seen the app yet. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe they're the Apple come, and maybe yeah. it won't be. And that's I, yeah. I think that's the, my big question with Apple. It's like if they're rolling this out, it must be good. They they don't. Yeah. Tim roll Cook doesn't seem like a guy who's just nerding out on this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, like I can make money on this or not. <laughs> they are definitely not Facebook with like this pie in the sky thing. So I mean, we'll in, in fairness, I mean the criticism that Apple post Jobs has not innovated or created a lot of new product lines or hardware. You know, I think, I mean, to Tim Cook's credit, I mean, that Apple Watch was widely exceeded expectations for wearables. Yeah. And, you know, I'll be one of the, to admit that that was a, a convert on that. I mean, that's a huge business line and it's, yeah. you know, it adds real value and utility that, you know, I don't think a lot of people said like, oh, wow, that's a, you know, category killer game changer when that first came out. Well, and that's, I think that's my confusion or whatever excitement about, about this product if this is all true apple is not like trying to innovate just for the sake of innovation anymore they are creating things that are all just like killers in the market right and so if they're coming out with this it's got to be pretty good they're not just taking a stab at it right yeah they're not just throwing shit out there like it's it's gotta it's gotta have some public appeal and so we'll see. I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, I, I wonder how how much of it is just a defensive move. You know, they see what Facebook's doing, how much they're spending, and they're just like, you know what? We we have to have a product out there. We want 
developers making stuff for this and have a yeah. toe in the water and you know even even if it doesn't resonate with users um it's such a big risk to us that we need to we need to have a horse in the game something so there we'll, in case somebody maybe. figures out something that that's yeah. good yeah yeah that so makes I, I wonder sense. about that a little bit and, and maybe, yeah. maybe you're right maybe maybe it will be amazing and maybe it'll kill and everything but i also i, I do wonder if this is more of a defensive kind of option move just to hedge against like the risk of being late to this game and and missing it that would make more sense to me although it's just so unlike apple yeah they do that Mm -hmm. but they do correct me if i'm wrong they do have a a a huge ecosystem of independent developers that you know potentially if you're just one killer app away for something gaining more adoption i mean that might be a reason of itself right to introduce a new product line just people well, experiment on that, and that's probably yeah. that's true, and that's yeah. a fair point. And like the rumor does seem pretty solid. Like there is a name for the OS, the, the yeah. software that runs this thing. Like there, like people have apparently already seen it. So like it doesn't seem like some guy just throwing out like they're going to come out with some shit. Yeah, I mean, there's like, already one in Mike's safe. I mean, obviously, yeah, yeah. Mike yeah, exactly. is wearing right. one right now. Yeah. Like it's yeah. Well, there, there's two things that like this reminds me of. Um, one is like, I, I don't know, I would say five years ago, drones had like a pretty big moment. Yeah, that's true. Like, well, yeah. What are we going to do? Good, good analogy. analogy. Yeah. yeah. And drones and like aerial vision, like absolutely have a meaningful application in certain contexts like particularly where you have to cover a large amount of space because and it's just like either you have to walk it or drive it or you could just fly this drone over it um so that's why it gets used in agriculture sometimes it gets used in very large construction sites um or like going up to check something where it's dangerous for a human being to go up and check so like very high utility poles these sorts of things um these are the applications like the narrow applications for drones um that make a lot of sense I can see that there's something there for augmented reality. Gaming is obvious. Like, I, I don't know why you would, if you are going to be by yourself smoking weed and like killing somebody in World of Warcraft, you know, 4,000 miles away, why would you not do that with a headset on? Sure. Like, you're probably not somebody who cares about your personal appearance anyway. Um, so, like, like that that's like application one. Application two, like, uh, I think that sports viewing is interesting, but uh, again, like, it removes the social aspect of the people in the room, which is always tricky for me. And then I think that there's probably some commercial applications that, that I don't understand yet. Um, the other part of it that was interesting to me was... Um, like very weird niche things, which don't make sense of like, oh, I'm selling a specific headset. But I saw an advertisement today for some sort of tech enabled ski goggles, right? Where you've got the ski goggles on and it shows your rate of speed as you're skiing in a heads up display. It has some stuff around that basically is like a, a augmented reality version of like what a watch would be where you can see your text messages come across, change your songs all like through your ski goggles. Um, that's one way that AR comes into this world. And I know that Apple definitely has AR-focused processors that would potentially be used and in different tools that maybe Apple manufactures or doesn't manufacture. So there's that other strange tangential world. Heads-up displays in cars, potentially. 
Um, I don't know like like whether that's a good idea or a worse idea around distracted driving, but like potentially if it's heads displays around safety mechanisms. So like you probably have if you have a, a newer car when you're trying to change lanes, like it alerts you to a car being on your side in your mirror like it maybe that goes to a full heads-up display where there's a bar that comes across the sides of your windshield and, and that might be something that's an ar application but that doesn't seem like that's requires apple level technology to apply so uh, i don't know but we'll see it when we see it and mm-hmm. it'll either be a piece of shit or it'll be great hopefully it'll be this year that'd be kind of cool yeah. let's see hopefully for i gotta send those kids to college <laughs> right on <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Recommendations? Recommendations. Um, mine is The English. If you guys have, it's a mini series on Amazon Prime. Fuck those uh, guys. We need to fight a war to get <laughs> our own country. Come on. Well, it's about this country. Oh, but it's, about, it's about those silly English people like Emily Blunt, who stars in it, mm. coming over. Oh, well, I, I'm, um, I'm totally fine with Emily Blunt. I, I stay yeah, corrected. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's a good show. You know, I forget that Amazon Prime has some pretty good shows. I also watched um, recently the uh, the Lord of the Rings one because I was like, well, Bezos spent a billion dollars on this. It can't be that bad. And it <laughs> it wasn't it was it was good. It was worth watching. I mean, if you like those movies, it was worth watching. It wasn't as good as the movies, but it's it, in the some of the, the some of the storylines are good. But yeah, the English was better than I expected it to be. Uh and yeah, Emily Blunt's in it. It's about like the you know eighteen nineties in America and like the craziness that goes on there. So it's good. All right, my reco is um, just not turning. My reco is Glass Onion. Glass Onion. Netflix. Netflix movie. Oh, um, Ooh, I got know uh, what's James Bond's name? Daniel Craig. Isn't yeah. that a, uh, isn't that Emily oh. Blunt's husband? It's a it's a eyes. Is, I, is no, it, no, that's, she's the Weiss. That's he's Krasinski. Right, that, yeah, right, yeah Weiss that's service. John Krasinski. Yeah. yeah, who's that? But he, yeah. it's the uh, knives knives out. Knives out. Yeah, yes. knives out. Yeah, so yeah, knives yes. out was a movie that came out a few years ago. It's sort of Agatha Christie like, where it's uh, twists and turns it's of a a who done it, and. Uh, you get to see an English person do a Southern accent, which is always fun. Um, and so this is the sequel, and it's pretty amusing. Um, what's his name? Uh, uh, Edward Norton plays uh, an idiot Terrible version of Elon actor. Musk, basically. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's pretty good. I'm, I'm going nice. to second that recommendation. I, I don't have a uh, another one to give, but I, I watched it recently, too, and it was, uh, was a good movie. Ed Norton's great in that role. Uh, so is Daniel Craig. Nice. Definitely worth watching. I was shocked at how good Daniel Craig was in the original one. Like, I was like, he's, he's Southerner? Good. Daniel Craig? Yeah. Like, yeah. no. And somehow, I loved the movie. I loved it. And what's his name? Chris Pine. Chris Pine? No. Oh, yeah. Chris someone else. Oh, uh, Captain America. Captain yeah. America. Yeah. Evans? He was Chris, fanta- Evans? Yeah. Chris Evans. He was fantastic in yeah. that. Both, both dudes who get more acting range than you would give them credit for, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, let's see recommendations. I, I did do a lot of reading over the holiday. Um, two books. Uh, one, it's got a, not a great title, but it's uh, I think ten trends everyone should know. Um, but it was interesting about it is it's in different categories. So it's people trends, health trends, uh, violence trends, like on war, hmm. uh, work trends, 
I need, natu- I need to work on being more violent. I've- yeah, <laughs> but you know, it's uh, it's two. It's a it's a futurist and a historian together um, writing. You know, basically, you know, obviously prognosticating on that's, yeah, what that's potentially cool. could be. You know, in a categorical way, things to think about. Ten, uh, ten global trends every smart person should know. That's that's the one. Yeah, it's actually uh, oh. it's it's thought provoking. I mean, you can also read it. You know, section by section, and you know, it just gives you get your right gets you going. I like the idea of like a historian and a futurist. Yeah. Together. It's That's, just, it's interesting. It, they, yeah. they structure it well. It's, it's uh, informative. It's um, not too over the top by no, you know, by no means, do you know if it's going to happen or not, but it at least gets you thinking about it. Um, so I, I, I enjoyed the book. Uh, other one I read probably more for our real estate uh, listeners, um, new Kings of New York. Uh, it's probably, it's about basically, some of the George Santos, no, yeah, uh, <laughs> some of the more accomplished real estate investors in New York City over the last twenty-five years, um, and it particularly focuses on uh, the redevelopment of uh, the High Line area in Chelsea, mm. and then mm. the entire West Side, uh, Hudson Yards. Um, so it was just you know, if anyone who for our New York listeners, I thought it was just a really, really well done book about the trends that shaped New York City from a development perspective and kind of how they came to be uh, both how the financial crisis impacted uh, the skyline and real estate, as well as um, you know, how some of these projects and the characters involved made them happen and kind of the rise and falls of egos. So it's a good business book. It's also a oh, good New York city book. Um, I would recommend that. And then uh, skiing. I know we all like skiing. I uh, spent a lot of time with my kids, uh, over the holiday skiing and I'm, you know, really happy with the progress they made and looking forward to do more skiing with the family um, and skiing with all you guys uh, for what should be a great, great winter ahead. So you know, get on those blacks, baby, triple blacks, get on, get outside, <laughs> strap on those boots, strap on those uh, sticks and, you know, make some turns like gravity, do the work. I yeah. ordered some uh, bamboo ski poles just recently. Oh, I mean, wow. Really? Yeah. yeah. I, didn't I, know, figured, I don't even know what that means, but yeah. I needed a, very- a bigger, I needed, I had like, normal ski poles but now that i'm in colorado there's like actual snow so i need a bigger basket on the pole because i'll just i'll put my pole through like you know 10 feet of snow and it'll just sink down in there it's a tough and life then, being jeff it's tough it really is and then uh our friend in one of our friends in crested butte has bamboo ones and i was like well that's just 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 makes sense it's just yeah. a tree it's yeah. like a tree you'll get carpets <laughs> on the floor you do bamboo that makes yeah sense. exactly yeah. Exactly. Anyway, sorry. Skiing. Yeah, that's what I say. That's you know, yeah. get outside, have some fun, enjoy the winter sports, get some fresh air, get yeah, some altitude. I gotta get there. I gotta get Love there. It. Love it. All right, teammates, we've done it again. We've burned an hour and eighteen minutes, not counting the forty-five that we talked before we got on. Doesn't count. Um, again, that's the secret podcast. If you send um, a check for five hundred dollars <laughs> to seventy-seven Bradford Street. <laughs> You will get the recording of the 45 minutes where we talk about the real inside stuff that you guys could make a lot of money on. So real. So inside. (laughs) Cool. All right. We'll talk to you whenever we record another one. Peace. Bye. Good talk. Good night, guys.